0: Ask us this morning to open our Bibles and say, Word. We are going to consider words of the scripture, more specifically, the word. We are in John's Gospel, chapter 1. I read to you words written by Carol Wynne Crawford. She writes, In the course of a day, we crank out thousands of words in tweets, twitters, texts, posts, emails, sound bites, sermons, speeches, conversations, and letters. Sometimes these words are cheap, sometimes sacred. We cannot live without them. This primary powerful means of connecting, caring, communicating with the world, words. The ancient Hebrews believed that words were so powerful that once a word was spoken, it created a reality that had never before existed. A word could be spoken, but not unspoken. It could not be unheard. You might regret it, but once it is spoken, it cannot be retrieved. Words create worlds, wrote Rabbi Abraham Herschel. Words like, I love you. Will you marry me? I am pregnant. (laughs) I forgive you. Such words generate new realities, and this can be for either good or for evil. Hitler taught Rabbi Herschel, did not come into power with tanks and guns, but with words of hatred and prejudice. Nor did Martin Luther King Jr. persuade the masses with weapons of war, but with words. I have a dream, he spoke. Family, words matter, for they bring either life or death. And so this morning we we're looking at the words of scripture, and more specifically, the word that brings true life. The Word. It is a name that was given to Jesus by the ancient apostle and pastor and disciple by the name of John. And the opening lines of his gospel account that we will look at this morning, this morning it is a name that is profound. Now, all four of the gospel writers, and we do have four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the New Testament begin their discussion of the good news the euangelion the jesus story at a unique part or place in the timeline of his story they use unique words and they unfold what they saw and describe what had happened before their very eyes matthew's gospel begins as many first time readers of the new testament discover matthew's gospel begins with the genealogy jesus the son of Abraham, the son of David, and then goes into a lot of begetting, which leaves a lot of people wondering and and questioning. But there's a purpose for that, because Matthew is connecting Jesus back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, rightfully so, that when Mary became pregnant through the Holy Spirit, it was to fulfill the promises and the prophecies of ancient origins that had been spoken to the patriarchs that Jesus truly came to fulfill the promises made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jesus is the rightful son of David. He is the son of Abraham. That is why Matthew declares boldly that Jesus is the king of Israel. He's the king of the world. Mark's gospel begins by completely omitting the first 30 years of Jesus's earthly life and picks up In the middle of John the Baptist's ministry of preparing the way for Jesus, immediately, there's an immediacy to Mark's gospel. It moves quickly. He sets out to show Jesus as servant. One who came to serve and not be served, to give his life as a ransom for many. Mark's gospel shows Jesus' servant. Luke begins his gospel, the telling of the Jesus story, by revealing to us the the history of the birth, the improbable announcement and the impossible birth it seemed like for Zachariah and Elizabeth to have a child in their old age, the priest and and his wife, who would have a son and name him John, who would be the baptist preparing the way and in the sixth month of elizabeth's pregnancy the angel gabriel who had revealed this to to zachariah revealed to mary a young jewess that she herself would have an improbable impossible conception and birth that she herself would conceive and give birth to a son in luke's gospel we see jesus as the perfect god man the perfect man John, however, begins his gospel account, the unfolding of the Jesus story, long before Elizabeth and Zechariah, long before Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the wise men, long before the prophets and scribes and the patriarchs and the poets and the priests. In fact, John begins the unfolding of the Jesus story long before creation itself. John takes us as the reader all the way back to the very beginning. And you might ask, the beginning of what? The beginning of everything before creation existed before it all jesus existed in perfect and complete communion with god the father and so this morning we are going to turn to john's gospel and i can't promise all of this is going to immediately make sense i mean it's it's stuff that just blows the circuits of the brain and these opening lines have, have caused pastors and teachers and common readers of the text to stumble and stammer from the first moment they were penned, and I will stumble and stammer a little bit. But I'm hoping that by the end of this morning, that we catch just a, a little bit more of the glimpse of His glory. That as Moses and Exodus asked the Lord, "Please show me your glory." Moses was tucked away in a cleft of a rock and just caught the, pa- the backside, the glimpse of God's glory as it passed by. And he, and he radiated light, like literally his skin was saturated with the Shekinah glory of God and he, he literally radiated. I'm praying that we catch a glimpse, that we ourselves would walk out of here and radiate just a little bit more of Jesus than when we came in here. That we ourselves would radiate like the light of the world. And so now we turn to the radiance of his face, the one we are celebrating with this Christ's Mass, or simply Christmas, John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. When John states in the beginning, he's taking us back to the beginning of it all, and he places at the beginning the Word. Now, New Illustrated Bible Commentary gives us a little bit more information. The term Word... What does word mean? We always word. Open your Bible, say word, word. What does word mean? Well, it is a spoken or a statement or a speech. And when you put it with the definite article, it was a concept that was often batted back and forth among the ancient Greeks and the ancient Hebrews. They often talked about the word. In fact, the ancient Greek philosophers referred to the word as the logos, as the ultimate origin of all that exists. Their argument was simple. Well, it was kind of philosophically uh, squishy, but the argument is if something exists, if something could be spoken and understood, there had to have been a primary spoken. There had to be a primary beginning of it all. For something to exist, it had to have been expressed. And they call that core expression the word. In today's scientific term, we call the beginning of everything from this pressure-intense explosion of matter billions of years ago, what do we call that evolutionary model? It is called the big yeah the big bang yeah god spoke bang it was huge so we look back and the ancient greeks would call that the the beginning of that 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 unseen cause of such an explosion or expression the logos or the word Now, the ancient Hebrews also talked about the word, and they traced existence back to the word. Not some philosophically squishy concept, but literally and specifically the word of God. They believed, as do I, that everything that exists came about through the spoken word of God. That there is power in the words. And the argument was biblical. There was a time when nothing existed. Except for God. And by the power of the spoken word, things that did not exist came into existence. So in essence, in the beginning was God. So John, with philosophical and theological prowess, he cries out to the ancient Greek mind. He cries out to the ancient Hebrew mind. He calls out to the contemporary Rowlettian mind or the Saxian mind or the Wylian mind, wherever we hail from. And he says... The Word is not just an expression, it is not just a philosophical starting point, but the Word is actually a person. There is a one who brought about all that exists, that exists today. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Personal pronoun. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. And as I read that, of this one who was in the beginning with God and who was God, who was in the beginning with God, that all things were created through him. As I read that, I'm like, I want to know who that person is. It, it, it tempts us to ask the question, who could this possibly be speaking of? Who has the expression of so much power that all things were created in and through? That makes them the source of life. John tells us that the word was not just a spoken expression, but that the word was a person, a person who was with God and was God. And as I read that, I'm like, I want to know this person. And through this person, everything exists. And so John takes us back into a time in history that predates the world. And what John is setting out to do, and rightfully so, is he's elevating the person and the nature and the character of Christ. Because he's not just Israel's king. But he is that. He's not just servant or he's not just the perfect man. Although he is all of those things, he is so much more. And it's so good for us to look at Christ, to have him be elevated in our minds and our hearts. And by using the title of the word, Jesus is being connected back to creation. And so what John's doing, he's like, he's tying us back to the first chapter of the entire Bible. And so what I want to do is I want to show you the first chapter, but I don't want you to look at it in your Bible. I want you to see it with fresh eyes. I've kind of laid it out in a unique way. How many of y'all have a red letter Bible? Love the red letters, right? In fact, they all should be red letters. Every word of the Bible should be read because it's all the word of Christ, the word of God. He is the word. He's the embodiment, perfect expression of God's heart. But I'm going to take you back to Genesis chapter 1, back to the beginning. In chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, our triune Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 2. The Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters as the Holy Spirit hovered over the womb of Mary. I'm going to read to the read you this pretty rapid fire and jesus said let there be light and there was light family you know what's fascinating just a little caveat a little aside in chapter 1 verse 3 jesus declares let there be light and there was light somebody tell me what was the source of that light there was no sun yet there was no moon nor star what was the source of the light jesus himself All he had to do was shine. He is the source of life and light. That is why John in chapter 1 of his gospel says that he in him is life, and the life is the light of men. He is the source of light. That is why in the new heavens and the new earth there will be no sun nor moon nor need, because he himself will radiate. And God said, let there be an expanse. And it was so. Jesus said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered. And it was so. And Jesus said, let the earth sprout vegetation. And Jesus said, let the lights in the expanse, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens. And Jesus said, let the waters swarm and let the birds fly. So God created. And Jesus said, let the earth bring forth living creatures. And it was so. And then it was declared, let us make. The plurality of God's glory, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image. And you know what's fascinating about God? He doesn't speak in broken sentences or run-ons or incompletes. He speaks a completed sentence. That before He said, "Let us make man in our image," He already knew man would fall, and He knew the the, the humanity He created would eons later drive nails through His wrists. We still chose to create. Jesus spoke, and in that expression, everything that exists came into existence. And John points back to these words and he says, These aren't just statements made by God, this is not just a declaration. These words are an actual person. The agent of creation, the one who brought it all about, is Jesus. And that is why Jesus, during his earthly ministry, had complete dominance and dominion over the earth. That is why he could quiet the storm. That is why he could walk on water. That is why he could multiply bread and raise the dead. He had complete dominion over the creation he had created. And so John points back to Genesis, and more rather back to the very beginning, and declares this Jesus... He is the efficient. He is the conductor of the orchestra and the symphony of creation. And so I read these words, fresh and anew. John's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Please allow me to do this. In the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Jesus, and without Jesus was not anything made that was made. This is John's argument. John declares Jesus to be the co-eternal creator who was with God, in fact, is God And the Bible has so much to say about this very beginning moment, as John points back and says In the beginning, there was so much discussed, and there was so much decided, and there was so much that existed. I did a brief study this past week, and it just blew my mind. There are search engines that we have access to today that are phenomenal. I typed into BibleGateway.com, like it's just a word study. I typed in beginning of the world, foundation of the world, and it brought up these passages, and it's, it's literally blowing my mind the things that existed before the foundation of the world. I'm going to let you in on a couple of these discoveries. For example, before the foundation of the world, Jesus was already glorious and magnificent and wonderful. As we saw the adjectives of Isaiah's prophecy, adjectives fail. To describe the glory of Christ. In John's gospel, as Jesus is in the high priestly prayer, in verse 5 of chapter 17, he says, And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. It's like I'm coming home, Father. I fulfilled your will, your purposes, glorify me with the glory I had. In the Gospels, we are given a glimpse of the radiance of Christ. When Jesus took Peter, James, and John up a mount called Transfiguration, his inner three, he set out to give them a glimpse. And what I've done is I've taken a harmony of this passage these passages, are, they're found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. In the synoptics, the story of Jesus, like, peeling back the curtain to radiate his glory just a little bit, just a glimpse. And I've harmonized them for us so we can catch a glimpse of Jesus' glory. Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves and he was transfigured. That is the Greek word metamorphizo and essentially where we get the English word metamorphosis, he was metamorphosized before them and his clothes became radiant, intensely white, white as light. As no one on earth could bleach them and his face shone like the sun. They literally could not look into his face. They fell on their faces to the ground. And they saw his glory. And behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. We're told also that Moses and Elijah was there, but it was like Jesus took Peter, James, and John and just went, Hey, check this out. That's enough. We catch a glimpse of the true glory of Christ that he had before the foundation of the world. Before the foundation of the world, Jesus chose to take off his glory and put on our flesh, tells us 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, also Philippians chapter 2. But this is something that has been exploding my heart with gratitude, an attitude of gratitude. You want to talk about being being blessed? You want to talk about having blessings and gifts? And we think so much during this holiday season, man, we want to get out and get the best gifts. We want to buy the best gifts. We want everybody to be blessed. We want them to have the best gifts. Did you know the heart, that desire, that great desire to bless people with great gifts, do you know where that comes from? It comes from the heart of God. Before the foundation of the world, chew on this, you were chosen. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 4 through 5, this is blowing my mind. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, listen to this, who has blessed us in Christ with some spiritual blessings. No, with every spiritual blessing and gift in the heavenly places. You know when somebody asks you how you're doing, the really, the only authentic and honest reply is blessed, homie. I am blessed. With what? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as, listen to this, he chose us in Christ. When did he choose us? Do you see that up there? We have it, Ephesians 1, verse 4 through 5. I want you to see this. That we should live, okay. Even as he chose us in him, when before the foundation of the world. Revelation chapter thirteen verse eight tells us that the Lamb's book of life was written before the Lamb's birth book uh, before the foundation of the world. Your name was inscribed. You want to feel blessed today? Remind yourself that you're chosen. You were called, and he says, you were called to be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. In love, in his love, he predestined us, that he means he pre-chose us to be the children of his grace. All before he said, let there be. And so let's put some of this together. The one who brought about all of creation, the one who co authored human history, the one who authored our salvation history. And as the Psalms tell us, that God has written our days before we live a single one, the one who has inscribed it all, spoken a complete sentence, is the one who took off his glory and put on our flesh. And so just as light reveals what is hidden in darkness. Roughly 2018 years ago, light came into the world. Light began to dawn, to break through the shadow of the darkness, of the fall, of sin and evil. And on the, the horizon, the light began to shine. And that's what the, the, the prophets are seeing. They're getting glimpses. That is why in Isaiah 7.14, Isaiah is peering and he's seeing these, these glimpses of, of radiance on the horizon. That's why he writes, the Lord himself will give you a sign, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, that you should be able to scan human history and be able to pinpoint a time when the virgin conceived and gave birth to a son and you would be brought back to that time in history and go, it's him. For Isaiah, he was looking forward, for us, we are looking back and we declare it's him. We peer into this little nativity, right? It's him. This is why in Isaiah 9, verses 6 through 7, we get more, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder in his name. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Because there's more. Not only did he come to die and suffer, to save, he is risen and he will return. And so we scan human history and we look, where, where was the virgin? Where was, where was this child born? And Micah 5, 2 says, hey, I'll, I'll tell you what city to look at. This city, it's kind of an exaggeration. Let's call it a little town. Let's call it a dusty little town. In fact, Micah 5, 2, we're told, but you, O Bethlehem, who are too little among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient. In fact, he is the ancient of days. And so just like a sunrise that begins slight and unnoticed, stirring the darkness of the night, John 1, verse 9, tells us the light that gives light to Everyone. All of humanity hinges on this moment. The illuminating nature, the revelatory nature of Christ was coming into the world. And so this one who made the world, radiant and glorious, was going to enter the world he created in such a lowly way. And when we look at these words of the scriptures, we catch a glimpse of who Jesus truly is. Jesus is the Word. That means He is the perfect expression of God. Jesus is the perfect communication. Jesus is the perfect revelation. He is the perfect declaration. He is the perfect representation. If you have seen Jesus, you have seen the Father. Jesus is the perfect announcement. Jesus is the perfect Son of God. And so what we stop... What we slow down to consider with a series of words is this one who created it all. Who chose to take off his glory so that he could put on our flesh and bone and breath and come into the world he created. There would be no welcome mat. (laughs) No warm reception. For the one who created it all entered into his creation. He came to his own people they didn't recognize. They didn't receive. But to those who do. And so we look into this little replica of a nativity, this little manger. And what we stop to remember and to consider through pained gasps Mary in the throes of delivery. Bringing forth not just a child into the world, but the Emmanuel, this this divine nature, essence of God, interwoven, interwoven with human flesh and bone and breath and amniotic fluid. That when the final push was made and the womb finally released its tired hold, we all peer in to see, as John has recorded, the Word became flesh. And he dwelt among us. And we have all seen his glory just a glimpse this morning. Just a glimpse of his glory. Glory is the only son from the Father full of grace and truth. The word became flesh and bone and breath and he... Dwelt among us. He tabernacled among us like the the tabernacle of the Old Testament where the worshiper would approach God with trembling hands and an offering. The tabernacle when it was finally consecrated that filled with the Shekinah glory of God. But now, this new tabernacle where none of us are intimidated. There's nothing intimidating about a little baby in a manger. We all approach. The true tabernacle, God in flesh, born into the world, fear not, declares the angel. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be your sign Think of the paradoxical nature of this. If you were going to go find the king of Israel, the king of the world, I don't know if you would start by looking in dirty old stalls. A little dusty town of Bethlehem. A little Jewish couple, Mary and Joseph. This will be a sign you will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. I can't think of a more paradoxical way for the king of the world to enter his creation, born lowly, poor, and modest, but even in that, I think it's the invitation. Come one, come all. Let us approach together and peer in and recognize the word that became flesh. Let us worship. Let us be in awe. For it was always in the heart of God to send his son. It was always in the heart of God to save the world. We will continue to unfold this glorious revelation next week. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I pray today that with a whole new and abiding appreciation, we would see you with a greater sense of awe and reverence and worship. appreciation and thanksgiving you who created spoke it into existence sustain it by the power of your word you sustain our very life and in you we are blessed with every blessing in the heavenly realm thank you father for sending your son You turned your back on him so you could welcome me into your presence. Please hear this friend. I speak to you who do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible speaks very clearly that as humanity we have all turned away from God, that none of us is good in and of ourselves, none of us is righteous, none of our works, none of our good works, are enough to be in a right standing before God. The Bible states that God is holy and pure and glorious. We've seen that. The Bible declares that Jesus took off his glory that he had with the Father from eternity past. And he chose to take on our human flesh and to be crushed for our sins, to pay for our debt so that all who call out to him, trust in him, will be forgiven and receive eternal life and be welcomed into the Father's presence. So today, if you'd like to receive that gift of eternal life and the quietness of your heart, tell him, Lord Jesus, I believe. I believe that you died for me. I believe you were buried, and I believe, Jesus, you have risen, just as your word declares. Please, Jesus, save my life. That is your heart's prayer. Truly, your heart's prayer, you've passed from death to life. You've received the gift of eternal life. It is by his grace through faith. You are forever a son or daughter of the living God. You are at peace with him, and he is at peace with you. And the Holy Spirit has come into your heart, presence of Christ in your life. Radiate his light. Lord Jesus, I pray that we walk out of here just like Moses, radiating your glory, just a glimpse for the world to see that we would truly be, as your word declares, the light of the world. Jesus, shine through us. In your precious name we pray. Amen.